Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. But right now, the thing that I've really been looking forward to uh, all day long is the appearance on our beautiful show by the amazing Kreskin. Welcome, Kreskin. Oh, Sue Henry, can you believe it's about a year now we last spoke? But I a year can't and about a, and a week. Oh, man, but <laughs> here out. we are again. <laughs> now, you're out in, in Pitt, is it Pittston, Pennsylvania? Beautiful Pittston. And do you, you have some uh, ties to this area, if I remember oh, correctly. Oh, yeah. I love, well, Pennsylvania, uh, Sue's my favorite, I have to say, is my favorite state. First of all, my father's side of the family is from Poland, and at one time, at one time I had in the Lehigh Valley area, 84 relatives. Can you imagine that wow. many relatives? <laughs> Lots of eyes on you, Kreskin. <laughs> and then um, my mother's side is from Sicily, so it's a, and and by the way, I won't go into it now because I got to be politically diplomatic. But I love Polish jokes. Oh, I have a I have a I have a sign in my uh, in my office that uh, a lot of uh, press when they come in they say, "Well, can we photo?" Then then someone said, "Well, they're going to they're going to use the same size themselves." I have a sign that says, "If anybody ever calls me politically correct, kick me in the ass." And, and and so you understand what I'm saying. We can't laugh at ourselves, so they were in trouble. Well, uh, some can't, as you know, Kreskin, right? Yeah. Some yeah. cannot. We can't, it, it's a shame. And yet, if you think of the, the serious, serious war periods, my God, in the Second World War, you had Bob Hope, you had right. Jack Benny, and all these people, because we had to be able to. It's, it's a great weapon to be able to chuckle about things and sometimes laugh at ourselves. You know what I mean, Sue? Absolutely. Kreskin, I want to ask you something about your, your gift that you possess. Can you tell me about. How you when you first felt that you had it, and can you tell other people how they might be able to develop a gift that they might have within themselves? I know in the age of electronica, I think it's harder than ever to focus, meditate, and pay attention. But how did you know that you were amazing in yeah. the beginning? And and Sue, so you said something that I've been commenting upon uh, greatly when I so I do seminars as well, and I I speak before professional groups as well as, of course, my main work is entertainment, but. We, we are not, with all the electronic devices, we're not listening to each other as much as we once did. You know, folks, do yourself a favor every day. Stop running. Just stop running and sit down and reflect for just a few minutes about simple things in our lives and people that have touched us, have, that have said something to us during the day that we might want to just reach, because we're not stopping to reflect. The uh, uh, By the way, sociologists have all commented to me, and teachers will tell you the same thing. We're not listening as much as we once did. I could tell you endless stories where someone was asked in front of me to do something very simple, but the person didn't quite hear it right. It's not low intelligence. It's that we're so overwhelmed with with stimuli that we're not hearing things in, in fullness. And I'll tell you what, how it all started. When I was in when I was in uh, third grade, because uh, uh, I was nine years old, and Miss Curtis said, "Well, the weather's bad outside. You're not you're not going to go out and play. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you a game." And she sent one of the classmates. Her name was Jane Hamilton into the hallway, 
And we, we put a bean bag in someone's desk, one of these cloth bean bags, and she called Jane back in, and she says, Jane, uh, she says, Jane, you walk around when you're near it. We'll say you're getting warm when you're not near it. You're cold, and if you're real close, it's hot. A gold game called hot and cold. And Sue, I was I was very disappointed because I wasn't asked to to play. And when I'm walking home, and I walked a mile to school from kindergarten to high school, wherever I went then, because and thank God I walked because we met people on the way and talked to them. But I'm walking home. My I get home. My brother's three years younger. I said, let's go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Now they were from Sicily. It was an old-fashioned house. My grandfather built with his own hands. They rented the downstairs. It was 10 minutes from where we lived. I said, here, here Joe, here's a penny. Hide it upstairs, because they lived upstairs and rented downstairs. My brother goes up. He calls me. I'm downstairs near the front door. He says, I, I hit it, and I go up the stairs, and I walk into my uh, my uh, grandpa's, my grandparents' house upstairs. It's an old-fashioned kitchen, a large kitchen. And she's sitting there, didn't know quite what we were doing. She only spoke Italian. I was very close to her. And I found myself walking into my uncle's bedroom. He was at work, and I climbed up on a chair because, I'm, of course, I'm only nine years old. I'm short. And Sue, I found myself reaching behind a curtain rod, and I suddenly felt a penny. And then it dawned on me. I forgot to tell my brother to talk to me. I never asked him to say a word to me. I never asked him even to communicate and here I walked through, I must have been unconsciously perceiving his thoughts. And that was the beginning or the major incidents of my entire life. Of course, it got around the family and my grandmother being Italian. They might have thought I had the evil eye, but Sue, we won't let that out on the press. <laughs> but it was the beginning. And then, then Sue, in grade school, what, what inspiration I had. I had in, in fourth grade a teacher, Miss Galloway, who was also my teacher in sixth grade. And during show and tell on Friday, she set aside a period of time where I would do things with my classmates. So I remember one time I asked my classmates to think of a movie they saw. And I pointed to either, I think it was Gloria Palmer, who sit in the back, now this is, I'm the kid, Gloria Palmer. I said, Gloria, you're thinking of a movie, but you didn't just see it. She says, no, uh, uh, I saw it around Christmas, and this was months later. And I named the movie she was thinking of. So by the time I was in sixth grade, I was already doing performances. And by the time I was in, I, I, and I swear to God, that's true. By the time I was in the seventh grade, I was doing private shows. I wasn't getting big money, 5 or $10 a program. But, Sue, by the time I was in high school, in, in ninth grade, I was already doing two-hour performances. I did a fundraiser for my class in ninth grade to raise funds. So it's been, Sue, it has been all of my life. And that was the building. Slowly with my audiences, I learned to work with them. And it all began with a thought-reading experiment that took place when I was uh, nine years old. So my life has been, it didn't happen overnight. And folks, there's a word that we don't understand today. It's called empathy. And empathy is not sympathizing, understanding how other people feel and so forth. That's very important. But empathy is a very interesting concept. It's the ability to feel the way someone else feels. 
And I learned early in my life, even in walking with people, to put myself in their shoes. Because the American Indian had a phrase, you never judge someone until you walked in their shoes. And maybe that's part of a clue of what became part of my lifestyle. I don't mean that I'm hearing everybody I meet or so forth, but I've learned to tune in on people and to kind of get this feeling of others. So it, was, it wasn't an overnight thing. I didn't suddenly fall on my head or eat a box of cereal. It was a gradual thing, but I always felt... So I always believed that this was going to be my life. And the key turning, the key moment in my life was when I was five years old. And there was a comic book when I was a kid, and it was called Mandrake. It was called Mandrake the Magician. He really wasn't a magician. He had hypnotic abilities. He read people's thoughts, soft crimes in this comic. And Lee Falk, who wrote him, also wrote another comic called The Phantom. They were very famous cartoons when I was a kid. They were in the daily papers. They were in the Sunday papers. And that was my hero. I play-acted Mandrake when I went out and played as a kid. So I already was imagining I could do these things. And i got to tell you one of the inspiring moments of my entire life. 30, 40 years later, at Sardi's Restaurant, which is, was a famous restaurant here in New York, you know, where celebrities were at, they were having a a seminar, and they invited Lee Falk, who had written Mandrake, um, which was the war, and, and the Phantom, which were so popular during the Second World War and years after that. And the, the professors were honoring him, and graduate students were, because they had studied his comics. And uh, they asked me to be there because they had heard that the comic Mandrake triggered off this spirit in my life. So I, I arrived there, and there were a few hundred professors and so forth. I, I went over and shook hands with Lee Fogg, and he says, Christian, I'm familiar with your work. It's nice to meet you. So we did a Q&A, and Sue, about two and a half later, hours later in the afternoon during the Q&A, and I'm sitting off to the side, he stopped. He says, I want to interrupt the questions that you're asking me and so forth. I just want to say something, state something. In all the years I have written Mandrake since 1935, the only living human being that's come closest in true, truthfully in life to being the Mandrake I wrote about is the amazing Creskin. Can you imagine how moved I was by that, Sue? That's a, that is a phenomenal story, Creskin. I love it's it's one of the most moving. I, I get the chills. I couldn't even talk after that. And, and a lot some of the professors that were there, I see at university, they say they remember that moment. So that was the beginning. I, I know I made it lengthy, but I thought your listeners would be interested. Love in it. it. Listen, now, the you do predictions for 2018. Can you highlight, Kreskin, some of the predictions that you see for our year that is about to unfold? Well, I got to tell you one that's gotten every around the world. I, I, a few days ago, I did two days of interviews in London because I've toured the world and they were doing some magazine pieces. So they got a kick out of this and they say, Kreskin, we know you're serious, so you really mean this. Now, hear this, Sue, and don't hang up because you think I've gotten into pornography. I'm only joking. I don't go into pornography. Anyway, it deals... Now, a lot of theaters today, 
I believe we're going to do this within the coming year. And uh, some of the movie theaters do not get as, as large audience as they once did because after a few days, many movies you can get on the Internet and so forth. Right. And the, theor- the theme I'm mentioning now is nudity. No, I don't mean a strip show. I don't mean a burlesque show. I mean that by the end of this year, and some reporters have said, Creston, for God's sakes, call me on the phone the moment that breaks anywhere because we want to acknowledge what you predicted. I believe within this year, the coming this year, that a number of theaters in some large cities and in some medium-sized cities are going to have each month two or three nights where the people attending have to be nude in the audience. And I think, no, they're not going to do this to, to fight the, 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 the legal re, uh, right to carry a concealed weapon. Because you can't do that under those conditions. But I think it's going to happen. And, Sue, we'll get back to you the day that happens, and you'll say he's not so crazy after all. Well, but, that's uh, good to know. Now, what about <laughs> what about our country and President Trump? What do you see? Well, well I want to tell you some, I want to tell you some things uh, that I, I, if I can now get onto some serious areas. Yeah. Another prediction. Another prediction which has gotten a lot of interest, and I will, because I've done many, many shows for corporate groups in the, in the past month or so, a lot of them private affairs, and some of the legal groups have said, Kreskin, your prediction is not as crazy as it sounds to the audience. Within the next seven or eight years, six, seven, eight years, I predict 70 to 80% of the attorneys today will be out of work. Wow. 70 to 80% will be out of work. They will be let go, and by the way, I've already been told by by corporate people associated with legal areas, Kreskin, it's already starting to happen. People are now going to be doing more and more of their legal uh, activities and so forth through uh, computers, through electronics, uh, things and so forth. And the use of the individual uh, uh, lawyer is going to be less and less of a situation. It is stunning how, and I can't give names, how many people have said, hey, you have said something that's not become public, but it's going to become public before you know it. The other thing I want to talk about is the situation, and I'm not, I don't know it all. I'm not a fortune teller. But so when people must understand this, Sue, that when I am making predictions, it's because I spend such a gigantic amount of time with audiences and I'm tuning in on how they think and so forth. So in the past, when thanks, Deb, I'll call you. My secretary is having to leave because we're having we're having a bit of a blizzard here at this time. Yes. As, as you heard, you yes, may have heard, and it's it's it's. But I uh, I think we need to understand that one of the one of the tragedies in education today, and I'm not just talking about in universities. I'm talking about high school and grade school. Is Sue, we're not studying history as thoroughly as we once did. We're not putting our heart in... Now, I don't live in the past, but you know, and we've heard this many times, we've been warned that if we, uh, over, over many decades, if we don't study history, we're destined to live it over again. And we need to study how the behavior of dictators is, not just with the evil, the terrible evil of Adolf Hitler and the evil of Stalin, who, well, by the, when he died, already two two particular cultures disappeared completely from the face of the earth because he erased them completely. Now, of course, as horrendous as it was, Hitler was attacking the uh, Jewish culture and what have you. We, we 
un- misunderstand that a dictator doesn't change. So Clinton was nice enough with the North, uh, with the Northern uh, North Korea, uh, uh, years ago to supply them with with uh, with monies and what happens so they could research uh, the uh, research atomic energy because they promised they would not use it for negative means. Well, let's not talk about dictators because we're already being threatened by North Korea. This man has already shot point blank someone in his family shot him dead. He said other people assassinated in front of him. When this leader of North Korea wants to get rid of people, they have to prove by by either by burning them alive or what have you that what they've done, they have killed the person. If you think a person like that is going to now change by monies and what have you, it just doesn't work. And the problem with, with North Korea, fella, is not will he attack or send an atom bomb. It's when and where because they don't change. And that's the facts of life. The amazing Kreskin. Anything good you can see for our uh, audience here in northeastern Pennsylvania well, in the coming year? Yeah, I, 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 I really, by the way, as I said, Pennsylvania is one of my favorite states. And I think, I think you're going to have a growth in smaller in smaller businesses, a growth in smaller businesses in, in smaller town USAs, as more and more uh, businesses are becoming monopolized, and it's happening, it's happening in businesses you wouldn't even think of, even in the animal welfare business. And I know, I know that you have uh, several cats. You still have several cats and dogs. I sure have the cats, but the dogs how many cats? Yeah. How many cats? I, I can't talk about it, or they'll come for them, Kreskin. But anyway. <laughs> No, yeah. Do you have a number of cats? Yes, I do. Well, let me tell you, I have a an attorney who's become a deep friend of mine in, in Los Angeles because he's in the entertainment industry, and he's one of the in, most inspiring persons I've ever known. And he has in his home, and it's plush, and it's well taken care because he's well paid. He has almost 52 cats and dogs wow. he takes care of. Wow, that's great. And he has them taken care of every day. Because if he gets a call that some animal's been hit on the street, I don't know how this man can handle this. He gets out, gets in the car in the middle of the night, drives up, picks the animal up, and brings him to his home until he can find a home from them. But as you know, one thing about animals, they don't betray people. No. And by the way, as I've said this, I've been quoted as far away as even Germany. You know, you know, Sue, why... Uh, you know why dogs make better pets than people. The reason dogs make better pets than people is they wag their tails, not their tongues. There you go, Kreska. We got to fly, but it's so great to hear your voice. I hope to talk to you again in the future. Let's talk. Let's talk in a month or so. Okay. All right. Thanks, Kreskin. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.